What's going on? It's the Film Drunk Frogcast coming at you not live from the Frog Quarters in San Francisco. It's going to be another great show. We got some perennial Frogcast guest favorites. I'm going to start to my right with the San Diego Hammer, Mr. Joey Avery. Oh, it's another good day to be me, Vince, and especially here sitting with you. Is it ever a bad day to be Joey Avery? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Every day. Wow. Someday. Uh, and sitting to his right, from Newsbroke AJ Plus, Francesca Fiorentini. Hi. I, I want Joey's I, privilege. <laughs> you, you just have to accept it. You can't have it. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know how you. Is there enough you, to go around, Joey? Yeah, absolutely. Can you Aww. Rachel Dolezal his ass? Hell Try yeah. me. Like reverse Dolezal? Give him the old reverse Dolezal? Bruh. Yeah, it's, it's called White Chicks with the Wayans <laughs> Brothers. Yeah. Uh, and joining us via Skype, L.A. Matt, <laughs> Mr. What's Matt up, What's up? This is Matt Lieb, L.A. Matt, Couch Matt today, because I am sitting on my couch in my studio apartment, living the dream. It's a nice studio. <laughs> I've been in it now. Um, no, it is, it is a nice studio. Yeah, surprisingly nice. We were just talking about how we were surprised that it's not like a, a scummy crust hole. Well, it's like the neighborhood is a scummy crust hole for Shersies. Um, I live within the shadow of the Scientology building. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can like actually, you can honestly hear the sign buzzing. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little bit ominous, but it's to you cover know up what? the screams, this buzz is <laughs> yeah, loud enough. Exactly, they got to make that buzz real loud to cover up all the uh, you know all of the slaves who are. Who are like cleaning up the bathrooms with toothbrushes while, you know, yeah. David Miscavige is like, clean faster! <laughs> He's clean just going around. Or else you'll never get a new life and you'll <laughs> be in this world forever! <laughs> <laughs> He's just going around knocking people's heads together. That was my favorite part of that book is imagining <laughs> yeah. fucking five foot three or however tall. He's shorter than Tom Cruise, so he has to be very small. Little tiny David Miscavige, right. like knocking, like physically knocking two guys' heads together. He's like yeah, a Napoleon up. for people who want to be actors <laughs> he just conquers people with shitty dreams yeah and i love it that he uses other movies and television shows in order to do it because that's straight up a three stooges move like i'm surprised he didn't <laughs> surprised he didn't try to like you know uh poke his eyes with two fingers and then he uses like a little slice hand in order to yeah. stop it he's but teaching he... physical comedy that's all it is yeah. guys mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is what the Church of Scientology really does is trains actors, clearly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You That's learn how, you how to not you learn how to not be gay by going around in a circle <laughs> going whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, there are way too many people sweeping outside of that building. I will yeah. say I've been around there and there's just people like suspiciously sweeping the same spot over and over <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. I, at this point, I've stopped questioning the sweeping and I just think like, hey, they just want to keep it clean. Yeah, Try like, to keep the neighborhood like a clean neighborhood. Um, Patreon dot com slash broadcast. If you guys want to donate, um, someone actually apologized for like reducing their donation this week uh, for the record. You don't have to apologize for something like that. Any money that you give to our dumb podcast is uh, money well spent and much appreciated. But uh, we're definitely much not... needed. Much, much need- needed. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, on the way over here, uh, Francesca sent us a. We're, we're group texting, and well, Francesca said, "I'm on the Soma to Marina after work yoga class bus, and I'm very, very jealous of them." And I was like, "I know. I always think it must be so relaxing being super basic." And then Joey just responded, it is. 
<laughs> See? It is, Trying dude. to get that privilege. Fucking accept it. Don't squander it. Being worried all the time. <laughs> it's true. That's what they had. They had total lack of self-awareness, and I mm-hmm. was more jealous of that than the fact that they're doing yoga right now. Yeah. yeah. I just am jealous of like not really like having to carve a path in the world or like try and... <laughs> I feel yeah. like my job is really hard for like no money and like not a lot of <laughs> don't get a lot out of it really uh and well you get the love yeah oh yeah you want to hear some love, love. I'll, I'll, I'll let you hear some love i got this is what you do when you're an online writer you like slave over something and then you like you're, you're counting down the hours until it's finally published like oh yeah right it's gonna go live and then you like log in and then you see the com- and you read the comments because you're an idiot if you're me um and then you read stuff uh, like this, uh, I signed up for this site after loving it and reading these articles just to say, what a pretentious fuck you are. <laughs> sure, you're entitled to your opinion, and as a movie critic, certain kinds of films affect you differently. But man, what a pompous asshole. <laughs> Thank God my friends aren't like you. I hope your friends aren't like you either. It's, it's cool to have a good time sometimes without wondering if it makes you look cool. Just saying. Anywho, to the rest of the Uprock staff, keep it up. What? Great keep site. It up. And I'm glad you enjoyed Boss Baby. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Alex what was this about? Nah, this is this is a future broadcast fan. This for was sure. about this was about Deadpool 2, which uh, so not only like am I not allowed to dislike something mm-hmm. or like something that's too uh, hipster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as Deadpool two example proves, there's also I'm not allowed to uh, like question my own liking of things. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if I if I overthink how much I like something, uh-huh. that's also bad. here's what's interesting because you're in kind of mirror images. So this guy is just a movie fan or guy or girl, and probably sees critics and is like, "This is bullshit." You read the critics and you're like, "Oh, so I'm not allowed to have a good time just because you think you're better than him." <laughs> yeah. But then First of all, we react, know it's a guy. We but know, then, yeah, yeah, probably. Obviously, but then yeah. you react to critics, critics. Who are now critiquing your critiques of things. Yeah. Well, first of all, it was a positive review. Like right. if it was like a thing where I panned it, sure. Right. And he's not the only one that was like upset that because I just basically was like, yeah, I didn't think I was gonna like it. Uh, and it was all the things that I thought it was gonna be, but I still liked it. So it's That's making you review. question yourself, right? It's not making me like, question myself. It was just like, your own I'm taste. trying to write for the me out there who hasn't seen the movie, mm-hmm. who right. is like naturally skeptical about it. So I'm like writing for an audience of like, you know, you of might, you. yeah, of myself, because that's yeah. who you always write for. Um, but like, uh, but apparently, like that is me worrying about seeming cool uh, or has come off that way. And then this one, this is, this is another comment from this guy who I'm pretty sure is going to misery my ass uh, one day. And I think, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> think, he used to be underball. Now he's happy schlong because we nuked his other account because he's such schlongs. a bitter shithead. Uh, this, is, this is his response. Vince is a great writer and occasionally funny comedian. I don't know how the fuck you would know that, but okay. But he has YouTube, baby. Yeah, but he has some really weird hang-ups about a lot of things that are popular now. Specifically, he hates video games and to a lesser extent loathes all the comic book superhero stuff in general. 
So any kind of movie that combines the things that appeal to the target audiences of these pop culture trends is going to be held to a much higher standard by Vince than some whimsical, kitschy Wes Anderson slog about daddy issues with adults dressed as children in amateur theater in monotone. Oh my God, Vince, no pressure, but this is awful. Wait, wait, it gets better. Dude also kind of hates being a, remov- a movie reviewer at this point. Gee, I wonder why! I wonder why this job sucks so bad! Um, also kind of hates being a movie reviewer at this point and is forcing his will upon Uprox. Trying to... Yes, I'm definitely... I'm, I, that must be going really fucking great for me right the now. The hegemony. Too. Yeah, uh, trying to convince them to let him be a full-time food critic slash writer. And by the way, yes, I would 100% want that. Because of people like this. Uh, I guess this is what happens when you get old and lose your joy in life. Which, all right, that part's true. So this is total gonna... jealousy, obviously. He's super jealous because he thinks you have a cool fucking job. <sighs> Ooh, I don't know. It's no, just no, no, like it starts off... It was like a, it's What's like a comp assault. Is... It's a comp assault, but it's like it's like he's psychoanalyzing you, which is insane, and he's actually jealous of you. But also, you're they're critiquing you for being a cultural, like leader. You're a cultural thought leader, which is a lot of pressure. I don't feel that pressure. Like I don't Do know what's that missed? like. I don't think that's a thing that I am, but I, I will say that uh, I like writing about movies. But the thing about writing about movies is like when you read or review, you're mostly or at least a lot of people are just reading for reading it for the ways that the person is wrong and for you to like be well this is why you're wrong you're not really like mm-hmm. listening you're not really uh in, a, enjoying it in a way right. that you would other things i don't know it's, Dude, uh, that's you, so much you, pressure you should just stick to politics on twitter man <laughs> yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's much safer just to express your political opinions yeah. and in no way will get you into four hour long comment section conversations about zionism <laughs> <laughs> yeah this must be a great week for you man yeah matt Oh, what a wonderful week. What a wonderful <laughs> week. Oh, every, you know, every time... Uh, bring, out, I, bring out the coils. Uh, every time the IDF commits, uh, commits a mass atrocity uh, for the world to see, uh, you know, you can, you can safely assume that any mention of it will get you just an endless comment section of people being like, but um, actually all Palestinian children are secretly bombs. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like at what point can we, <laughs> listen, I, I, I'm not in favor of Benjamin Netanyahu at all, but if we nuked Gaza, it'd be better. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Just nuke them all because they're all individually and collectively bad. But I'm no fan. I am no fan of BB Netanyahu. Not, not in the least. Thinking I, emoji. Yeah, thinking yeah. emoji. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Wouldn't it be better if? Wouldn't it be better if we just use their bodies as fuel for our cars? <laughs> I'm just saying what we're all thinking. It's uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, at least with movies and stuff like. Uh, uh, the facts aren't so, you know, at least it's like, you know, it's subjective, you know, yeah. you can, you so can like it. But being critiqued on your subjectivity is the most bonkers, like, hall of mirrors. Like, I don't even know, <laughs> know how right? you do that. Well, it's like, you're so unbiased in this thing you wrote an opinion piece about. And it's like, I, what? <laughs> the only people that go to read a review, though, generally, 
have a feeling going into it. Exactly. And they go, I want to know what so-and-so thinks about it because I bet Vince hated this yes. or I really liked it and I want to read the critic. Like, I only go to Pitchfork yep. if I think they disagree with me yeah. on an album, which yeah, is, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I do the same shit. I'm not like, yeah, like, I right. get the impulse. But, but I can disagree. <laughs> it's like when the New, York po- New Yorker posts a comedy thing. I'm like, let's see how bad this is going to fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it always sucks. Yeah. But sometimes with a review, like... It's nice if you can disagree and be like, I disagree, but it's nice to see that perspective and it was well written. And I bet 99% of the people who read it take it that way, but they're Mm. not who shows up in the comment Mm, thread. I mean, that's uh, that's ascribing a a silent majority that I think is maybe um, not quite that big. But I'll, I'll... I assume, made up the stat, I will assume but I it think for my there own is sanity. a silent majority. It's like people on Yelp. Like I've eaten yeah. at plenty of like three and a half star rated places that I didn't look at before and been like, that was great. Yeah. And then looked it up on Yelp and been like, Jesus fucking Sandra <laughs> didn't make eye contact when she brought me my crawler. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only people who have time to comment on shit on the internet feel some kind of way. Most people interact with most things and are like, no. Oh, Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. The That's great it. thing about about these people specifically is that is that they they so vehemently defend the status quo. Like it's like they're, really their love of Marvel movies is completely reactionary. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like they're basically just fascists about movies because they're just like if you didn't enjoy this, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> it's like Zionism. Best- Infinity War is the best, greatest movie of all time. And you're just like, I just didn't think it was that great. And it's like, oh, you must be a piece of shit. You deserve (laughs) to be in a camp. Someone else, oh, sorry. Someone else on Twitter last week was like, uh, I'm done with this hate cast. First, first, Kevin, Kevin, it was, it's always... it's always, it's always Kevin Smith. Like, if you make fun of Kevin oh, Smith, yeah. the people yeah, that are yeah. into Kevin Smith that like have no um, can brook no uh, disagreement about uh, Kevin Smith. So if you make fun of Kevin Smith, people are always like, "I'm, I'm out of here." Like, I listen to all this Smodcast and Smontent, and, uh, and he's like, first Kevin Smith and now Infinity Wars. I'm sick of your dumb hate, your smug hate cast." And then he was like. Still love Matt Lieb, though. And I'm like, Lieb hates those things way more than I do. Uh, but you can change my opinion about anything, dude. I'm a shill. And that's yeah. what they want. Like, this is why I am so successful. It's just I I will shill for anything if as long as it's not the Israeli government. And I, and how, I, I, Matt, I, Matt, how do you what? feel now that the prophecy is being completed? Well, first of all, uh, I think that I'm very excited for the end times to come and for Jesus to come down yeah. and kill and kill two thirds of my people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you going to be in that one third, dude? Well, that's the thing. Like, a part of me is going to kind of be like, "Well, what do you got to offer, Mister Jesus Christ?" So why was why did it have to be Jerusalem again? I know I've heard this like twelve times, but I always forget. <laughs> The Jews oh, well. have to return to Jerusalem. This is going to be the real, like, Marvel movie of Earth. Yeah. Jesus comes down <laughs> really and just is. starts murking Jews, and no. everyone's like, it's pretty sick, though. <laughs> Definitely Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The dead is cool. is Infinity War. Um, uh, am I still there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're still you there. You were waiting on you to com- complete this. Can you not? Oh, there, there we go. For a second, it went out because my internet's bad. Mm, uh, conspiracy. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, basically the prophecy is that uh, all Jews need to return back to Israel in order for Christ to, to re, uh, emerge and, uh, and commence the end times. Or, uh, it, but, 
And Jesus isn't going to come back if the embassy's not in Jerusalem? Well, that's just... Uh, that's the U.S. Kind of- embassy has to be in Jerusalem. He's going to come back and be like, where is the American flag? Yeah, I can't find it. What? I'm going back up to heaven. Yeah. Jesus well, returning is like his birthright trip. <laughs> I only speak American English. Oh my God, can't. these mud baths are crazy. Yeah. The IDF soldiers are hot. Jesus is just there to smash some IDF soldiers. <laughs> like, yeah, who wants to bathe in the blood? Uh, yeah, no, I, that's just a symbolic thing where it's like you, because, you know, you most countries there have their embassies in the capital of their country, but since... Jerusalem is supposed to be a shared capital. Uh, you know, it's uh, technically it's occupied territory. So to uh, most countries have not put their embassies, no countries have put their embassies in, in Jerusalem until, until America did. Are, and, are the Jews yeah. and the Muslims also waiting for someone to come back or no? Or I th- for I the first time? Jews are waiting for someone to come around the first time, right? No, Jews are waiting for the waiter to return the soup <laughs> so it's at the correct temperature. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, Did you taste yeah, the soup? <laughs> try the soup. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I, I don't actually know. I think maybe uh, Islam... Yeah. Waiting for Muhammad to come back. Yeah, he's I, been getting a long caricature. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. those carnival drawings. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We we make fun of all the religions on this mm-hmm. show. That's right. Except for Buddhists, they're tight. I just totes. They're on the mini bus. No, no. They're on Joey's wrist. <laughs> yeah. I have some Buddhas around the house. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, what was crazy is this week also, like, did you guys listen to any Fox News? Not that you would, but like Janine Pirro mm, just so went. I can't watch oh. her at all. Like, I see her for two seconds and it's like, it's like some burn the witch reaction that I have. I don't know. I know. Yes, she's like a, she is like a hot devil soccer mom. Who's she's like fucking terrifying. <laughs> she's like she, thinner. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she's, just I don't, got like, I don't she's just like shaking her bony crone fingers at me with her like, I don't know. She's just all the things. Like when you, she's all the things. When you become a, like a local news anchor, like you get that weird, um, like preserved in a in a mausoleum kind of look to you. And yeah, yeah. she's just been like uh, marinating in that for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And now it's incredibly and she only recently became actually like a news anchor, and she's a she's a judge. Yeah. She's a justice. Sure, I mean, yeah. Sure, yeah. whatever. She's she's a she narc. Should have been, yeah. She should have been narc. the next Judge Judy, but now she's just a shill. Anyway, she the prophecy has been completed. Oh, that's yeah. a terrifying oh, oh, impression. It's, it's Donald wild. J. Trump oh, has returned God. the Capitol, and it's just like, oh my oh, God. Like, even oh, when you do is, it, like I just I know, I get super scary. uncomfortable. Oh, that's, that does give me chills. <laughs> I, I can't watch cable news. I'll, I'll listen to, I'll get perspectives. I'll get like right and left perspectives from podcasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like sitting Joe down and watching uh, it. Joe, He's Joe not Rogan. a political Joe Rogan, Eddie Bravo. And, <laughs> <laughs> so you just sit if, for an hour and a half and two, two hours listen to different podcasts to get your political. If I, yeah, like if I'm at work doing other stuff, I'll just have it on in the background mm-hmm. because I can't sit and watch. If I sit and like watch cable news, I feel gross. It doesn't matter who right. I'm watching. It feels like I'm eating junk food. Mm-hmm. And at least with a podcast, I can listen to it and be like, ah, I disagree, you know, but whatever. I want to know where that's coming from. Also knowing that maybe they don't have as much influence. There's something like calming about that. 
Right. Yeah, it feels a little less bit. like propaganda. It feels more like, uh, uh, oh, this is what people on this side of the aisle think. It, yeah, you know? it does. Like, I'll listen to Ben Shapiro to get the right wing. Oh and my like, God. Yeah, but that's <laughs> so it doesn't. It's not like always comforting. But, it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like Janine Perot, have you ever seen North Korean state TV where they have that one crazy announcer? Oh, lady? Yeah. Oh, she talks like this all the time. First of all, Janine Perot. I'd walk watch Fox News all the fucking time if we had that North Korean lady. I mean, yeah. she's yeah. the most adorable, and I love her. <laughs> she has like the voice voice trumpet. She, she is so like happy all the time. Like, yeah. no, Janine. She looks like she's just always saying. Victory! Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is pretty wild. I kind of wish we had more of that. It's just happier, you know? Be a little yeah. happier with the propaganda. Um, so, getting back to movies, I want to know, as <laughs> like as normies, because I have to see the big movies, Like, what yeah. is your awareness and interest level in, say... Well, the two I saw this week were Deadpool 2 and the Han Solo movie. Mm. How was Han Solo? Uh, it's, it was all right. It, it was kind of... Boom! It was. Fuck you! Yeah. 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 You don't believe it. in magic anymore. I liked it overall. It started out rough, and then by the end, I liked it. So <laughs> sure. Why was it rough? Um, it's just like they're trying to do a lot of uh, exposition, doing a lot of. Um, Is it true? They're doing a lot of like retconning the plot, where they're like, mm. "Oh, Han, what's your last name?" And uh, <laughs> funny story. And he and and he's and he's like, uh, he's like, I'm like an orphan. And the guy just was like, "Oh, well, I can't, I can't. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it." And then he's like, "Okay, solo then." And he's like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, yeah. I think my main pitch for seeing that is I like Donald Glover's facial hair uh-huh. choice. Yeah, I think really that's a strong one. Strong casting yeah. in general. Is it true that the guy who played Han Solo? got cast and then was such a shit actor that he had to like take acting classes in the middle of it. Cause I heard Hayden that Christensen? through like four Alden layers. Aaron Reich. I did hear that. I never clicked on those links cause I was like, I don't fucking care. But he was in uh, the Coen brothers movie yeah, yeah, and he yeah. was, was amazing in it. Yeah. Okay. Was he good in this? Yeah, he was all right. Yeah. Yeah. He was fine. Yeah. How can you be so bad? My movies as a normie mm-hmm. are just happen a year later on a plane. Sure. So yeah. if you want to go back and talk about Blade Runner 2049, sure. I think that was the year. Or you want to talk about The Last Jedi again, which mm-hmm. I just saw again, mm-hmm. I will be you down. You saw it twice. Yeah. Cool. I did see cool. it at Christmas with my mom. It's an it's a annual tradition. We go out and she falls asleep uh-huh. and then wakes up and says, I just love spending time with you. <laughs> and who's our <laughs> And then in the line very loudly in the very long line, it's like, So Darth is bad? I'm like, Mom, shh, shh, <laughs> no. <laughs> like forcing a Star Wars sweater over her. <laughs> she loves it. Um, I'm a all, big. All of a sudden, all the nerds turn around slowly with their <laughs> yeah, eyes rolled much... back in their head, like. Ah! Yeah. I'm a big fan of Green Hippo Titty Milk scene. Mm. Oh yeah, that was dope. Oh, yeah. Or so, Luke's, yes, Luke's trying so to gross good. her out by like sucking off that big yeah, titted that green was alien good. lady. Big titty green alien lady. Um, I liked the weird Spanish fish. Uh, I fish don't ladies, the, the weird the Spanish fish ladies. Fish ladies. Were great. The they were. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, a little, a little Italian one. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, I feel like I feel yeah, like um, Luke and the ladies like had had a thing. Like there was oh, a moment. Yeah. 
Well, they were his slaves, weirdly. And yeah, you're like, why sex are they, uh, Se- sex why are they working? Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. That's always happened. <laughs> yeah. He uses the force. He does. <laughs> okay. To not come for a little longer. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what he can use the force for? Every once in a while, he's in <laughs> some real, like, dark funny. side role play. <laughs> <laughs> to yell that out to your partner right before, use the force, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ironic thing is he can only come to the dark side. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Using the force sounds very non-consensual in this situation, uh, but I'm sure it's fine. Like, use the force sounds kind of like a rape fantasy. But anyway, if they had a safe word. Yeah. 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 I, I am your father. <laughs> yeah. uh, we should definitely talk about the Last Jedi because our fans really loved the Last Jedi episode. I, I love. Like I love the most. Jedi. The, mo- uh, the most. The uh, most. Most liked episode in. Po- no, everybody hated that episode. Did they? Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Why did you have shit on it? No, it's more just that uh, Jacob Siroff and Ed Zitron were like competing to. We were all talking over each other, and it was kind of a nightmare. And I was just sort of sitting in the corner, like trying to direct traffic, but not doing a good job of it. Yeah, Ed and Jacob uh, did not agree. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and which, uh, yep, which was why I chose them. I was like, you know, we'll do this crossfire thing; it'll be great. And then it wasn't. Yeah, but weren't we all? I feel like we were all on Skype or something. It was something it was- where like. Nobody knew when the last person finished their sentence, so everyone was just talking <laughs> over each other. And it, it was like just a conference call that someone was listening in on. Kind of, I like yeah. When you Ed and... gets the bag of wine going. <laughs> yeah. The wine dispenser. Yeah, which, I mean, we did drink a lot of wine. It's also. dope. I'm not mad at yeah. it. Yeah, um, it was so good. Oh my god, I there were the. There was so much turbulence on my flight, and then just watching The Last Jedi again was like, hell yeah, and the turbulence fit with the last scene, mm-hmm. and the pew, pew, That's pew, dumb. pew, yeah. pew, 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 red pew, light, pew. blue yeah. light, red light, blue light, green light, green light, red light, pew, mm-hmm. and it was just very inspiring. <laughs> Uh-huh. I mean the whole thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's. I will anyway. say, uh, I think um, the people that like hated uh, the Last Jedi because it was. Too woke are uh, gonna hate this one even more, which I'm oh, excited no. to see. <laughs> Donald Glover's in it though; he just breaks what? out into "This is America." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Also, what the de- what was the deal? I was like, "This is like this video is fine. Like it's a fine song with a fine video. I don't understand why it was like uh, people were yelling about it." It's to give him something to do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> was it woke? It was just kind of like, yeah, there's cops and like you know i've heard so many takes on it. it i don't even have a take i watched it and i was like i got zero takes i've heard so many different angles of it and each one i'm like oh interesting i didn't see it that way oh interesting <laughs> yeah. i didn't catch this that either so that's art dude. just being <laughs> yeah. that's what matt just said just a basic was. bitch you know yeah. it's okay to just not have an opinion no I, I i enjoyed it i thought it was interesting and there's a lot of people who have thought a lot more about it than me and respect I yeah, was uh, every, I was refreshed every, by how little of an opinion I had about it. I was just like, yeah, that was that was fine. I thought it was every, dope though. Yeah. Every everything piece just further confused me. Uh I I do believe I should put out a song called What is America? And <laughs> where I just uh Wait, wait. It's my my response video. So that was the big news oh! this week about that video. Nicole did Arbor did like a response video, didn't she? I guess yes. Nicole Arbor? Some the dear fat people chick. Oh, she's terrible. Yeah, the she really did, This one. is America for women. For women. And oh, that I hadn't seen what? it, but even just the thought of it made me, <laughs> made yeah. my vagina fall off. Yeah. I know that people who are very involved in uh, 
the racial side of politics do love white feminists. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh-huh. I wasn't surprised. <laughs> Especially coming from the the author of Dear Fat People. What's that? What's the premise of that? I don't know this person. Oh, it was so a let's... video she put out that was just about how fat people are disgusting. And it was like supposed to be uh, like, you know, let's get real. Fat is gross. And it's just said by this hot blonde lady. And <laughs> so, it's like, wait, isn't this yeah, the YouTube? Yeah, people the YouTube are going to love this. Yeah. So, so this same woman did a parody of This is America for white women. Yeah. yeah but she doesn't like she doesn't really claim to be a feminist, right? Or do you... I don't know what her deal is. I've I've refused to go any further down that rabbit hole because she. I, I did watch her response video with this guy. It's like, oh god, here comes the shitty act out again because it's that it's that vlogger style where they're like doing. They write like half a joke and then they do like ten seconds of act out. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's my job. That's what I do. news broke. We limit the act outs and we also we do full jokes beginning and yeah. end. Her Wikipedia has like two lines about her and then immediately has controversies as like a whole section. <laughs> well, that's the only so I'm gonna dig in is. and try and see. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, oh, what? Okay, I'm. I'll have to read. It I want up my later. Wikipedia page to be like that. She, yeah. Apparently, a guy who she lived with claimed that he had been in a physically and emotionally abusive relationship. With mm-hmm. her. Oh yeah, I, I mean that makes that. sense. Oh, shit. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. They both did the thing where they uh, they cried on YouTube, which uh, <laughs> which I think is like that's next level YouTube stardom when you feel comfortable putting out a cry video. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. you're just like, you know what? The fans got to see me at my most emotionally vulnerable because that absolutely will read well on the internet. Yeah, hold on. This So it says after the uh, Dear Fat People video, she was fired from her job where she was a choreographer for an anti-bullying video for kids. <laughs> cool. cool. Hey, you got to play time. both sides of the aisle there. You got to make like the that. bullied kids do the dance. That's, was she dating dance, one right? of the kids? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that would have been good for their self-esteem. She was make, trying to get them to do one of those cheerleader pyramids, and she was very rude about who yeah. had to be the flyer and who had to be the base. Yeah, That's there's, a, there's, there's nothing that stops bullying like dancing. The, the video sounds fucked up, but I do believe that like most people who go to the gym, at least in some part of their brain, have to be like, oh, being fat's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Like, you have yeah. to have that within you and not place it on other people just to stay active. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah. I was going to say, I did enjoy... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if you don't... I just love the idea of people at the gym just running and then occasionally getting flashes of fat people in their head. Like, no! <laughs> Bro, no! I think there should be you ever think there were plants in gyms just like a fat person who gets very <laughs> well paid well fed yeah. just to like <laughs> motivate walking like on the street outside mm-hmm. I see this as a really good uh, Danny DeVito as Frank from uh, It's Always Sunny Roll I can see yeah. him you know just like walking through with the sausages in his pocket just <laughs> trying to like disgust people into uh, working out harder <laughs> looking at people like don't be me yeah i'm the ghost of cholesterol future that's all you should have on the screens like instead of tv it should just be like cellulitis <laughs> yeah is it cellulitis yeah. i'm gonna call it cellulite it's yeah cellulite. that would be an inflamed cellulite so yeah that's the thing <laughs> cellulite just jiggling in your face <laughs> <laughs> i would like, run so much run faster so <laughs> yeah just keep me like from trying to jack apps. off to that <laughs> It'll be like one of those, you know, aging apps, except it's like a fattening app, and you just see yourself, and it's just like, this could be you, fatty. <laughs> it gets fat. It's like it's like Back to the Future, where it gets fatter the the, the slower you run on the treadmill. Yeah, and then you have <laughs> to kiss cool. your mom. 
<laughs> yeah, and then you have to it's kiss like, your mom. It's healthy exactly. to have some slight body image issues for yourself, right? Oh, Joey. That's like how everyone, that's why everyone works out in January, is after you've fattened yourself up all December, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And then well, you get it going. I you should have been on that Muni bus, dude. <laughs> that, you, were, those, you guys would have fit in. I mean, I think a little self-hatred in, in the right areas is, oh, is helpful. I, self-hatred is always a good thing to have, yes. a little bit. It's very, very, very healthy. It keeps you humble. Um, Don't but, place know, it on other people. Yeah, you know, you just you live your own life, and you let the you know you let the the monster fatty fatty boombas you know live their life. Yeah. Now, no matter no matter how disgusting they are, objectively, no matter how much they make you want to just put them all in camps and just watch them do manual labor till the fat melts off their disgusting bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> I was gonna say that Donald Glover may have. I mean, was he working for Body Positivity? Because he's letting them titties jiggle a little bit in that video. Oh, I loved that. That was my favorite part. Was yeah. I was like, he's got my body. <laughs> okay, one no. Uh, <laughs> two, definitely not. Three. Um, <laughs> she just fight clubbed your ass. Yeah. No, yeah, agreed. Like he was like, "Oh, you have a normal, but like I work out maybe two or three times a week yes. body, mm-hmm. art body." Mm-hmm. It was like, the perfect. It, it was very it, to me. It was a very art conscious body. art body where it's mm-hmm. like I don't have so much time to work on this yeah. that I can't be focused on thinking all day, which yeah, is what I do as an artist. But I'm like still fit. He's still jobs. fit. Yeah, he looks good. He's like, he he's like I'm pretty fit, but also I smoke weed. He looks good. So, wait, hang on. Question: If Donald Glover were like obese. Would we still love him if he I were a fatty boomba? By him, and I wouldn't want to be near him. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't need another Craig Robinson, you know. Let, what me, I mean? give- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me give you another one. If he had rippling six pack abs in that video, are you? Everyone would hate Are you him. taken by his message? Exactly. No, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't even hear the message. Because you'd be too busy coming. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's America? <laughs> <laughs> that is I mean, America. Yeah. America's hot. <laughs> I think I think black people can pull off being good looking and wise simultaneously better than white people can. I don't know yeah, why that's that is. fair, actually. But like if that was Terry Crews being all buff, like you can get like Terry Crews gets away with saying some smart shit and people are like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like if that's fucking John Cena, everybody's like, shut up, John Cena. Well, yeah. I don't know. I feel like uh, t- what's his name, uh, Tony Robbins. He's like tall and handsome and fit and and wa- like people love him. Maybe not Tony face. Robbins, but Henry Rollins. Yeah, yeah, well, Henry Rollins a fucking idiot though. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Listen, I love Henry Rollins. I love his music. I fucking love Black Flag. But well, my God, all, have you, you ever love. heard his poetry? You shouldn't love <laughs> Black Flag or his Shut music. But the fuck <laughs> up. I don't like that. His perspective on traveling is cool, though. Oh, yeah, no, I I, I like, you know, I could probably have a good conversation with him, but my God, that poetry, it's like, Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen someone do poetry and been like, I'm going to hang out with that guy? (laughs) (laughs) No. Not unless it's over a beat. I saw saw her on YouTube. Did you? (laughs) Who? Maya Angelou. Oh, yeah, true. Was she vlogging before Nicole Arbor? Would she be a vlogger if she was born yeah. in, the, in the eighty late 80s? 
Yeah, no, her shit was mostly act outs. Oh my god, I would watch the fuck out of Maya Angelou's <laughs> yeah. vlog. That'd be amazing. Tell so, you what up? This is Maya Angelou. Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is for all, from, from all my cage birds out there. <laughs> hey, good news for the Frop fans of pre-recorded segments. Uh, this week I got to talk to Ben Fritz from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, he wrote a book that's out now. It's called The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies. Um, it's a really good book if you ever want to understand why it seems like Hollywood only makes superhero movies. Um, he breaks down the franchise era of movie making and the reasons that all came about. Um, he goes through the Sony hack to sort of show what the the movie business was like even four or five years ago as compared to now. Um, anyway, I thought it was a really interesting chat and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Patreon.com slash broadcast. Again, uh, Ben Fritz and the book is called The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies. Uh, how has the movie business changed since the mid two thousands, and specifically, how have profit expectations changed? Huh. Well, I mean, since the mid two thousands, we've really entered what I would call sort of the franchise age of filmmaking, which is where the movie business at the major studios, at least, is primarily uh, centered on these uh, branded franchise films: <clears throat> your Marvel, your Star Wars, your Fast and Furious, your Transformers, your DC. Harry Potter, et cetera. These are the movies that make by far the biggest profits. They make profits um, that are meaningful to, you know, these big parent companies like Comcast and Disney and um, uh, Time Warner and soon AT&T and so on. Um, and they, they can, uh, they can spawn sequels, spinoffs, reboots, toys, theme park rides, et cetera. So they make a lot more money than just the movies themselves. Uh, these are the kind of films that audiences, uh, despite what they sometimes complain about, really prefer. If you look at the box office, right. more and more of the box office is going to fewer and fewer films, and those films are primarily these types of films. They work especially well in uh, you know in foreign markets where you know brands matter a lot. Um, you know uh, China, Russia, Brazil, etc. And you know with the rise of high quality television, the golden age of TV on you know cable and streaming services. Um, a lot of the types of content people used to go to the movies to see, like original dramas for adults, that space is being taken up by TV. People don't go to the movies very much anymore. And those types of films uh, are succeeding less and less and are uh, losing money more and more. So uh, like the attendance, the decline in attendance, like that's all that's yeah. all real and not just like anecdotal things that we think about. Well, right. So there's two trains to know there. Like there is a decline in attendance. It's been happening for most of the century. It's sort of slow but steady decline in theatrical attendance in the United States and, and in Western developed nations, not global. Like, like in China, it's growing a lot. And But the other important trend to know in there is, and I think one that's even more important, is that people are going to fewer and fewer films, like more and more films are taking up, uh, sorry, fewer and fewer films are taking a bigger chunk of the box office, right? right. So, so far this year, approximately 40% of the box office so far this year is five movies. Okay. It's Avengers, Black Panther, Jumanji, Ready Player One, and A Quiet Place. So that's, that means six, only 60% of the box office is available for every other film except mm-hmm. those five. You know, that's not the way it used to be. It used to be people, there was a much broader array of films before going to see a more diversity of films. Now we all kind of want to see the same handful of films that everybody's talking about and that are, 
the only ones that are sort of spectacle enough and or buzzworthy enough to get us out of our living rooms and off our iPads and into a theater. Right. And so you talk about like the profit expectations, um, you know, in terms of what the expected uh, profit margin was, you know, in the past and what it is now. Right. Yes, sure. So, you know, until the past few years, you know, companies used to think that something like 10% was a, was a, um, healthy profit margin for the movie business. You couldn't really do better than that. And the other thing they thought was it, it was, it's never going to be stable. You're going to have good years and bad years. You're going to have years where you have a bunch of hit movies and a bunch of flop movies. You can't, can't expect consistency in the film business. They thought it was always going to be a roller coaster. So you might have a year where you only make a profit of 2%. Another year, maybe it's 13%, but generally about 10% is what you could shoot for. Disney has completely upended that. Disney is making profits in its film studio alone of, uh, uh, with a margin of, of close to 30% recently. And they've been doing that consistently. They don't have very many flops. Not, they don't have zero, but they have way fewer than, than there used to be. Um, and if you look at just Marvel and Star Wars, to take two of their big franchises, they have had zero flops. I mean, they literally, every movie they release is either a hit or a mega hit. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody thought that was possibly possible before, but uh, Disney is achieving that. And of course, every other studio is looking at it and they, and more importantly, their bosses, the parent corporations are saying, why can't we do that? Right. So uh, has there been anybody else that have been able to recreate what Disney's doing at all? Nobody's been able to recreate it. Other, others are trying to varying levels of success. I think the, the other company going after that strategy most aggressively is Universal. Uh, they're owned by you know Comcast and the, the people who run that business. Several of them are former Disney people. And they, uh, you know, it's a very, very well-resourced company, just like Disney. And they also have a theme parks business, Universal Studios, just like Disney. They're building a consumer products business that can rival Disney's. And they're investing heavily in their core franchises. They have Fast and Furious. They have the animated uh, uh, Despicable Me and the, the Minions and the Secret Life of Pets and so on. And uh, um, they have Jurassic World, of course. Mm-hmm. And they, they spend, they spend, you know, very heavily on those are trying to build those into franchises that can rival the ones of, um, of Disney. I think so. They're definitely following the same strategy with, with the caveat. They also have a healthy horror business. They have a deal with Blumhouse and movies like the purge and so on. And I would say low budget horror films are the only other types of films that are succeeding with any level of consistency recently. Yeah. That besides, is, you know, big budget franchise movies. That is interesting. How do you, how do you sort of yeah. explain that phenomenon or do you, well, it's, it's, I mean, the one, the best the explanation I would say is it's, it's the one genre beside, okay, so let's look at what are the genres that, you know, Netflix, Amazon, HBO, FX, et cetera, can't, can't really, uh, can't really replicate. Okay. They can, they, they can replicate the drama experience pretty well, right? There's nothing better about seeing most dramas in the theater than seeing them, uh, at home and, you know, a streaming platform or cable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's with comedy. People used to think, Oh, you want to be in the theater laughing with other people, but mm-hmm. that's proving to be not so true anymore. Comedies are struggling at the box office and people are pretty happy to watch comedies at home too. All sorts of comedies, but whether they are rated comedies or, you know, family sitcoms. So that's being covered to a large extent. Um, but horror is the type of thing where actually sitting in the dark with your friends, family, a, a group of people who are feeling the same tension that actually works a lot better in the theater. You know, if you're, if you're pausing the movie to go, to go get some food or something, or you can hear your kid crying in the other room or somebody takes out their phone, that kind of ruins the tension of a horror movie. Right. So sitting, sitting in a dark theater with other people 
actually makes that experience better. So I think that's that's the reason my horror is still hanging on. Right, the theatricals, like added value. Um, yes. So shifting gears a little bit. So, well, actually, no, let me go back to um, the, sure. when we talk about the profit expectations, uh, where, where do those come from? Is it like investors, the parent company? Like what is like the root the, expectation that's driving the market? Well, it's the parent companies, but then they themselves are driven by Wall Street financial analysts, shareholders. You know, they want to see real returns on invested capital is the way they look at it, right? If, you know, running a movie studio is not cheap, okay? It costs... Most major studios spend at least a billion dollars a year producing movies and at least a billion dollars a year marketing and, and releasing them. That's a lot of money, right? So a, a big company could be like, well, we could take that two or three billion dollars and keep spending it on movies, or what if we spent it instead on cable television or a new digital service or a theme park? Would we get better returns on that? Right. Um, and when a movie business isn't generating very big profits, then the companies or their shareholders say, hey, you could be doing something a lot better with your cash than investing it in movies. So that's why that's why they're demanding better returns than they than they used to be getting because they're realizing that it's possible and if it is possible then why aren't we doing it and if you can't do it then go then go invest your money in a, in a in a in a better business somewhere else right I mean it's part of the um, push to branded uh, content and franchises is part of that because that's just an easier promise to make to investors like it's easier to say hey, we have this franchise and there's going to be this many installments as opposed to saying, hey, I'm smart. I'm good at picking movies in the past. I can continue to do so. Absolutely. Because you can, I mean, what, what, another thing that investors love is consistency, right? And predictability. They love to be able, they love it. If the company can say, hey, our movie business is going to make, I'm making a number up, we're going to have revenues about a billion dollars and profits of about $200 million next year. That's great. They would they, they like to know that, you know, because that, that helps them figure out, you know, their investment portfolio and make make financial models and that's really important to shareholders actually. That's why companies give financial guidance all the time. And look, if you're a Procter and Gamble, you can usually make those predictions within you know, within, within a pretty tight margin, right? The amount of uh, laundry detergent people are gonna buy in any given year doesn't vary a lot. And when people start shifting their allegiance from whatever tied to Clorox or whatever it is, then those don't happen overnight. They happen over time and you can see the changes. But in the movie business, if you're just like, hey, we're, you know, I'm a really smart guy or a woman and I, I come up with a good slate, trust me, um, you know, there's no way to predict how those movies are going to do. And the fact is, nobody, no matter how talented a person is, there's nobody who can make a consistently successful slate by just picking original scripts and ideas. This is, that's just never happened. It can't happen. There's too many factors at play that a person can't control. But there is a higher level of consistency when you're releasing a franchise film. You generally, like, you know, uh, the, the Han Solo movie may, it may gross a billion dollars globally, it may gross 1.5 billion globally, it may gross 800 million globally. Mm-hmm. I can tell you with 99% certainty, it's not going to gross 150 billion globally, you know? <laughs> right. It's not, that's just not going to happen for yeah. a Star Wars movie, you know? So there's much, whereas when you release, um, you know, like, like a, a Quiet Place, right? Which has been a big hit, but, in, in, until like that, until that movie came out, nobody at Paramount and nobody invest, you know, the parent company, the high or investors knew that movie was going to gross. Uh, you'd have to check what it's at now, several hundred million dollars, or was it mm-hmm. just going to was it going to fizzle and gross twenty million? No, there was there was no way to predict that, and you you cannot you can't really build a business around hoping for hits, right. you know. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that's or that that's a lot tougher than saying like, hey, I got Star Wars, I got Marvel, I got Fast and Furious, I got I got the Hunger Games. 
and you 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 can say with some level of confidence those movies are all going to gross within a certain range. Yeah. Um, so, like, my favorite thing about the Sony hack was uh, when Jonah Hill uh, said clean and rad and powerful about the uh, <laughs> yeah. Jump Street yeah. and Men in Black team-up idea. Um, but you seem yeah. to, like, you went over it really in-depth. What, like, what did you learn from going through the hacked Sony emails? Man, I learned a lot. You know, I read tens of thousands of emails and documents, and I feel like I kind of got into the heads of some of those leaders of the studio. Um I mean, I think most fundamentally, I learned that uh, you know it's that the, that the, you know the, a lot of powerful people in Hollywood pro- project a high level of confidence and certainty that they really don't have, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, you know at the studio in particular, they were really struggling to understand consumer behavior as as, as we were changing to this franchise-driven world, um, and that um, you know uh, how should I say it that that is that, that the level of stress just kind of never, ever ends. And it's so, it's so easy from the outside to be like, why aren't you doing this? Why, you know, why, mm-hmm. why would you make that terrible film? Or why, you know, why, why do you make those Spider-Man reboots are so obviously bad, but it's real. It's actually, actually putting together, you know, a franchise strategy, actually just making a real, a high quality film is, um, incredibly hard. Thing, things can go off the rail so easily and people, it's really a game of catch up yeah. rather than being able to sort of think ahead, especially if you're a studio that's struggling like Sony was, you know, they're, they're just constantly playing catch up, trying to figure out what's happening, trying to figure out in the marketplace what their competitors are doing and how can they take what they have and, and adjust accordingly. And I, I would say, sorry, that's a little incoherent. Maybe the, <laughs> the core of it is, you know, like it, it takes, one thing I didn't really appreciate, right, is that, you know, the biz- the entertainment business, the way we consume entertainment is changing so fast. You know, it changes a lot within a year. Look at where we, how, and what entertainment was like a year ago versus now. But making movies takes three years, you know, frankly, from like idea to release. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard for the movie executives to adapt to a world where, you know, digital technology is changing things really frequently. Consumer behaviors and tastes are changing frequently but it takes them years to, to create their products. And that's, that's really one of the toughest uh, binds that they're in. Right. right. Um, uh, speaking of Amy Pascal, I mean, I thought she was, it's funny that you get, uh, you, you get clues to her character. Like she becomes a character through these emails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you also, you also like make her a character through your writing, but um, like, mm-hmm. what is the, the archetype that, that you think she represented and, and what is the archetype of a studio head now? Yeah, so Amy is really the you know late twentieth or very early twenty first century archetype of the movie studio head, which is that she came up through development and production. She's a she's kind of like a movie producer, right? She loves making movies. She loves digging into scripts. She loves working. She loves working with talent. She really respects and feels closest to you know directors, writers, actors. Those are the people she relates to the most. She's not a natural fit to be like a corporate executive. Like you cannot imagine her being an executive at any other company, right? Like imagine her at Goldman Sachs or Apple or, you know, um, Nabisco would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she also, you know, she makes movies and nothing else. And her, the thing about the architect of someone like her is it's really her taste, her personal taste and sensibility that defines the studio, define the movies that Sony made right. and the artists with whom it worked. Um, and she, you know, she, she personified that studio in a real way more than anyone else. And that was the way studio, most studios used to be run, right? There was what, there was a person or a couple of people who decided what they made and it was th- their relationships and their taste 
that were the business plan. The business plan of Sony was Amy Pascal. That was their movie business plan, was her relationships with talent, her tastes. Those were the movies they made, yeah. you know, period. Yeah. Um, the archetype of a movie studio had now, you, you know, look at, uh, you know, someone like Jeff Shell at Universal or Alan Horde at, at Disney. They're, they're more brand managers. They're people, they do not get involved in the, in the nitty gritty of developing scripts, of working with their favorite artists and so on. Um, they really think about, okay, we have, you know, we have these core brands, we have Disney, you know, Alan's job at Disney to a large extent is we have Marvel, we have Star Wars, we have Pixar, we have the, the Disney brand, which primarily now, you know, does live action remakes of their animated movies like mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast and the Jungle Book and so on. And he is to keep those brands and the people who work under him managing those brands on track. Yeah. Um, it's not dissimilar from, to go back to Procter and Gamble managing all their different consumer brands. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to say there's, you know, I mean, there's, there is a creative element to them. Absolutely. It's not completely uncreative, but it's, it's at least as much brand management as it is creative. And it's not about their favorite artists or their favorite scripts. You know, there are lots of, uh, artists, directors, let's say Alan Horn likes, you probably wouldn't be the right fit for any, for a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie or a Disney movie. There's probably lots of books he would love to turn into movies, but they just don't fit any of the Disney brands. There are lots of scripts he might, he might read and personally love, but they, again, they wouldn't fit the Disney brands. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much about his taste anymore. And by the way, not coincidentally, a lot of these sort of, you know, I'd say 2018 studio heads are MBAs. Right. Whereas, you know, someone like Amy Pascal is certainly not an MBA. I mean, there's always seems to be, in, in any business, there seems to be this drive to take uh, like human taste and personal taste uh, out of the yeah. equation. Like, I mean, do you see a failing in that strategy at some point? Because like the end consumer, then the end consumer is going to be a human. Yes, yes, yeah, she, she absolutely is, and you can't like you can't just manage these brands with no sense of creativity, but like keeping them creatively fresh is important or else they turn into, you know, like look at Transformers. Like the last movie was pretty universally panned and it's, it's, and financially did way worse than the prior ones did. Like people lost interest because those movies haven't been innovating and they've kind of, you know, they've died as a result. What Marvel, let's take the primo example has done so well is, you know, they've, they've, they've stuck to their brand. There's a, their core quality every Marvel movie has, but they've innovated somewhat. You know, Black Panther, is a different movie than, you know, Thor was right. or Captain America was, right? Yeah. They're not radically different. It's not like all of a sudden they're making R-rated horror films, right? There are, there are certain core qualities, you know, the superheroes, they, they come from the comic books, they're PG-13, they're going to have action adventure, but not, but probably, you know, safe for kids over eight, eight, eight or 10. They're going to have, you know, a, a certain amount of comedy that's mixed in with the action and adventure. Those qualities are always there, but they're, they vary a bit. You know, Black uh, Panther clearly a more political film. You know, the last Thor was kind of like sci-fi comedy. The Captain America movies have been more spy thrillers. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. um, science fiction, etc. Right. So they vary somewhat, and that's that's the balance for these companies. I think is they have to sort of manage these brands. They have to keep. They have to figure out what the core qualities are. Keep to them. Keep up their level of output. You know, they can't be waiting years and years between films. At the same time, they need to have, they need to work. They need to have creative people there who can keep these brands and movies fresh. You know, who can come up with some new ideas that still fit within the framework of what those brands are. That's a very that's a very tricky balance. Right. And uh, if it you know if it doesn't work, the the audiences smell cynicism and they stay away. And right. that's why you see some some brands of franchise films not working anymore. 
and the ones that are well-made are going to work to astronomical levels of success. Right. Um, you talk a lot about Netflix and Amazon being, uh, you know, the saviors of, of the mid-budget comedy yeah. for, or the mid-budget film for adults in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is the connection between uh, distributing quality movies and, and their bottom line too tenuous for that to uh, be a thing? Like once all the people who like good movies are already subscribed, what's their incentive to keep yeah. making good stuff? Well, their incentive would be they don't want to lose your subscribers, right? The, right. the, 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 the subscription entertainment business is competitive and is getting more and more competitive, right? You already have, I mean, the big players right now are Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. Uh, Disney is preparing to launch its own service, its own service for families next year. Um, and you're, you know, you're, uh, you at Warner Brothers are launching a DC Comics branded service, for example. You're going to see you're going to see more and more of these, and you know, eventually. If, if you want to subscribe to every big uh, subscription service, it's going to your 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 internet uh, your internet content bill, for lack of a better term, is going to start from most of your cable bill. It's going to get really big yeah. right, if you want to have them all. So there'll be competition, and if they are not delivering the kind of thing that you want, you're going to unsubscribe. And you know, the, and and the, the reason why I think they'll keep making these kind of interesting quality films is, or and and. You know, let's just say content, interesting quality content, whether it's films, TV shows, miniseries, whatever, is that um, people subscribe to things that have services that have content that they love, right? It's not just like, you know, if you if you start to sell with something to watch, there's too much good stuff, you know. And the, what I love may not be what you love, may not be what my sister loves, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they have to have a diversity of content, and there's there there is an audience for you know interesting original you know, mid-budget dramas for adults. It's just not a, it's not an audience that, you know, can rival the number of people who go out and buy a ticket to see Avengers. Um, but there absolutely is an audience for that. They have, and these services have to provide everything for everyone. And, um, and as I argue in the book that, you know, the, the, the their value is, um, uh, their value to consumers is that people are getting something they love. So even if only, even if only I'm making this up, you know, 2 million people, see this in this new mid-budget drama for adults that's on Amazon, but those 2 million people love it. You know, they're passionate. They'll keep subscribing. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, Disney doesn't actually care a lot if you love Avengers or you just like it, as long as you bought that ticket, right. you know, that's, right. they still get the same amount of money no matter what. And there's certainly some people who are seeing Avengers because they're going with a friend or they feel like it's this cultural event. It's kind of this obligation or they just want to go see what the, what all the hubbub is about, you know? Um, but when it's a subscription service, you want you want to tune in, you want to keep watching it, finish watching it, feel satisfied, and therefore you always keep paying your ten, ten or twelve bucks, or whatever per month. Right. Um, all right. I'm I'm wrapping it up. Last sort of question here. Sure thing. Um, uh, like like with the, do you see any parallels between um, like the movie business in terms of um, having a a higher expectation for profit margin? Like, do you see any parallels with that and other? Uh, businesses that traditionally haven't had like a huge profit margin, like journalism, for instance, like what's the, mm -hmm. I mean, what's the future, uh, like are businesses that don't have a huge profit margin sustainable and mm -hmm. like why, uh, are, are we all like, at, are we all at the mercy of, of investors looking for a huge return or is there a way to do businesses that have not a huge, uh, you know, return for investors? Well, yeah, newspapers are a great example, right? Because this is where you see, you know, some of the America's great newspapers being 
bought by by rich individuals who you know uh, are not buying it for instance for the purpose of getting a bigger profit who think there's some civic purpose in it right, right. like Jeff Bezos in the Washington Post or Patrick Sunshong here in Los Angeles who just bought the LA Times um, because those companies you know they, they used to be part of public companies and, and and investors who only care about the returns of their shares understandably uh, you know were really hammering those companies and telling them to keep cutting costs. Um, which is, you know, bad for our civic life if you care about, you know, high quality journalism. Uh, so yeah, if you, you know, if you're somebody, if, 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 in any in area of our economy, I'd say if there are things that we value that don't necessarily create the highest returns, then there's two options. One is they they turn into kind of nonprofits or you know tolerably low profits if they're privately owned, which is happening in newspapers. Or in the, in the movie business, we're getting to a point where the companies have to be making movies for another purpose besides making the biggest profit on those films. If that's what they care about, they're going to follow the Disney model to make the biggest profit. If they care about making any other type of film, it has to be for another purpose, right? So at mm-hmm. Amazon, they make a, they make a diversity of films because they want to keep you in, engaged as much with Prime so that you'll buy an Alexa and you'll buy patio furniture and you'll buy all the all the stuff that you want in the world, you'll buy from Amazon. You'll be totally engaged in their ecosystem, you know? And at, at Netflix, it's not, they don't make movies to make money on each individual film. They make it to have an overall... F- slate of content that satisfy their, their subscribers and keep them subscribed. Um, and, you know, we're, look at, uh, you know, AT&T is soon, if the government approves it, going to buy Time Warner. And, you know, you might, you Got can it. imagine that, like, what, that, like you'd imagine, look, I, I understand all the things that are bad about that, but one thing I would argue could be good is you can imagine AT&T encouraging Warner Brothers to make movies that, uh, are, you know, that are available for free or a discount or available to you first if you're an AT&T subscriber. Yeah. And you can watch it on your on your tablet or with, you know, if you empty their, their internet at home or on your phone or whatever, you get, you know, then that changes the economic calculus of those films and may make it more possible for Warner Brothers to make the kind of films that don't necessarily make the most money at the box office anymore. Sure. I was just thinking about what happened to DirecTV when AT&T bought it. And oh my God, the... Uh... The difference between customer service is like, like unbelievable. But yeah, um, thanks for talking to me. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. You too. You guys, not what I said. I I spent fifty minutes of my life watching Meatball, so I feel like we have to talk oh, about it. Too. It's an hour and thirty minutes. I know I didn't get through it. Mm. So I here's the, the thing. Trailer. Why is that? Here's Vince? the thing. I was I was flipping through Amazon Prime and I saw Meatballs, and I always like. It was one of those movies that I feel like people a generation older than me are like, oh yeah, classic Bill Murray comedy, you know. So I was like, oh, I've never seen that. Let yeah. me check the old Meatballs from 1979. Oh, so, it's bad. So I turned it on. First of all, soundtrack is little kids singing. Ooh. Immediate red yep. flag. I don't know why I would ever want to hear a choir of kids singing in the soundtrack to anything. Okay. It starts off, uh, you know, they're like sprucing up the camp, getting ready for the campers. Um, oh, I scrubbed. <laughs> I definitely yeah. scrubbed. There's, I two guys, there's two guys putting in a window in a, in a door. And, and there's like three minutes of window jokes. Like first, <laughs> the glass falls out of the window. And then there's a separate joke where two guys are carrying a pane of glass and the football misses it and they're like whoo 
and, and the whole time just and the, camp is great yeah. like, I'm singing that they missed the football and then of course a like basketball comes from the other direction and breaks wah, the window it's a shame because they make a better door than a windows joke <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice yeah. Yeah. thanks yeah. I, like, I like what you did there thank you I mean that joke's better than what they're writing into the movie really um yeah, so that's bad. There was a good joke in the first five minutes. What was it? It was Murray explaining to a dad what they're going to do, or no, to a reporter, and how, like, Yasser Arafat's going to come oh, and just, yeah. like, talk to the oh, kids yeah, for a solid funny. week, and that was hilarious. Yeah. yeah, all the funny shit was Bill Murray clearly just fucking Riffing. doing improv. Yeah. Like, that, it was all his riffs, because he is just naturally hilarious. So mm-hmm. I, first, I was watching that opening scene, and I was like, first of all, there's a local TV report about summer camps. <laughs> and then secondly, yes. the TV reporter is a guy with like a spread collar and a medallion and a heavy chest, a hairy chest. Who doesn't have any kind of just like, you don't say. No. <laughs> wow. Um, I got a question. Is this just how the era was or is it a sign of a bad movie that the trailer says, you saw what Bill Murray did to Saturday night. See what he does. To summer, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, don't I thought you were gonna end that with was. little kids. Because <laughs> that's pretty. The whole thing just feels like, why are there forty-year-olds hanging out with seven-year-olds at a camp trying to fuck? Right, and it, it and the whole thing is like this knockoff, like cheaper camp. Yeah. Um, but it just feels like a lot of yeah. It feels like a lot of inappropriate. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I so, think the 70s was a very inappropriate. I mean, there's an entire scene where Bill Murray is like basically like pretending to wrestle this chick who's clearly yep. 14. Who's clearly not into him and is telling him that she's going to scream and he's like, Haha, "Isn't it funny how I'm strong-arming her right now?" Well, like in yeah. the trailer, he's like coaching these kids in like a children's game and he's like, "All that matters is that you score tonight." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's really inappropriate. In fact, the sequel was called uh, of of Meatballs was called Meat too. <laughs> Meat curtains. I feel like if feminists were... Meat too. No, wait. Back up. Let me do the joke again. Meat too? Meat too. Oh, oh I didn't get it. That's great. I so mean, that's, that's like a militant good. feminist. I feel like if... I wish feminists were like as like <laughs> nice, lonely and, and resentful as like shitty MRA activists. Mm-hmm. Because we would then redo Meatballs. We'd redo sure. like every single movie. We'd have all the time on our hands uh-huh. and we'd edit out all the men. Do well, they like, do the that? Problem, well, That's exactly you know, what we'd do. That's all the, I would the, do. So uh, you're talking about like. <laughs> I'm talking about meat, they, meat too. I'm talking about Meat too. The way they recast uh, like Ghostbusters and, with an all female cast and, and whatnot. Uh, is, that, is that what you mean? No, I'm saying like when you see something that like violates you, then you like uh, like how someone didn't those dudes edit out all the women from the Last Jedi? Oh, is that sure. a thing? Sounds. Didn't you hear that? Sounds vaguely. All familiar. the women, all the women were edited right. out of the Last Jedi. It was yeah. like some MRA or like some. They're I don't always, know what we call them now. Star Wars fam, fans are always doing editing yeah. shit. Oh yeah. You know how much yeah, yeah. editing sucks when you're like actually working on a project? <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine just doing it pro bono cuz you felt some kind of way? Yeah. Oh yeah, About those meat, Dan Nine videos took me forever. So I was, <laughs> so I was and actually The only thing that kept me going was spite for Dan Nine. <laughs> exactly. So I, I was actually like, hoping for more inter- like the inappropriate stuff was basically the only reason I was watching cuz I was kind of like what kind of fucked up shit were they doing in the 70s? And there was a couple like there was uh, in the beginning of the movie when um, Bill Murray's trying to sell the like nerd guy, to, to he's yeah. trying to, he's trying to get the nerd guy laid with like the hot brawless chick. 
Um, and uh, they were all brawlers. And he's like, he's a sex machine. And she goes, he couldn't wake me up with a trumpet and a drum. <laughs> <laughs> like that's such a weird the, line but the first thing she says to him is like i'm i want some action this summer yeah right yeah which i don't understand like is he is he a pimp he's like the, the camp pimp i guess so. i mean that's what camp is they're honest it about is. what camp is which i appreciate yeah, is that what happened trying to camp? Fuck. kids yeah, just trying to fuck I, I feel like i stopped going to camp right around the age when i could have been out there trying to fuck what yeah. age was that i don't know i went to like kids camps and then i was like 10 or 11 i think i just like played sports oh, you missed oh, yeah. out hey, you did i saw a kid get his dick sucked <laughs> what <laughs> and you were yeah. the counselor right just watching hey guys yeah was it the counselor guys, like, yeah, guys yeah, wrap it up so <laughs> no, okay now saying, wrap it up it was very scarring for me how yeah. old were you i i guess i was uh it was the summer before middle school mm-hmm yeah, and uh, how did and it make you sudden, feel? There was a there was a dance, and then uh, and then this guy uh, who I'd seen around, and he looked like a loser, and I thought I was better than him because at least I'm not that loser. And then he got his dick sucked, and I'm like, I'm like fuck <laughs> that, dude. You I, saw I, it? I, did, I did get to hold hands with uh, with someone named Goldfarb, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I definitely remember going... That was your camp girlfriend or boyfriend, Goldfarb? Yeah, I don't want to say her first name because then you can look her up. You know, that's not nice. Hadassah. Uh, yeah, when you say, say Goldfarb, I just see like yeah. Jonah Hill. In a way. Beanie Goldfarb. She looked, she looked a little bit like Jonah Hill. <laughs> oh, you guys Maybe held Jonah hands. Hill's sister. No, but she was someone touching me. It was all good. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, that's know, lit. It just, Saint. Uh, Camp is about is about people fucking. I definitely remember going to camp when I was like twelve or thirteen, where I was still prepubescent and was definitely not going to get any action, but was like extremely horny and just surrounded by like hot girls in bikinis that were like my age and like two years older. What the fuck? And so it was like these camps. It was. Well, it was like a nightmare and a, and a dream at the same time. Agreed. So my experience was added a layer of fucked upness. Um, I went to Jesus camp. Uh, so did I. You did too, Whoa. right? Yeah. And that's the worst uh, part. That's why I didn't because everyone's like, "Well, we can't do it." Ha ha ha. And and I I was like fourteen, so very very horny. And then I had like nineteen year old camp counselors that were all like beautiful men named like all the names of the the bible like all the like hey i'm luke i'm john like i'm jonah mm-hmm. i'm matthew i'm mm-hmm. you know whatever like spike is that their names um <laughs> spike, yeah, the, book spike. Spike. the book of spike yeah. it's hot anyway but you're like i can't feel any like i'm not supposed to look at them but mm-hmm. i you know oh, i think that's how they weird. get you they get a bunch of like hot teenagers together and they're like all right uh, you guys, you, you guys Jesus. can't fuck each other, but you just like get them. You gotta super, fuck Jesus. You get them super horny for each other, and then of course they get married and have like twenty kids. Because like if you can't fuck, I know. Like you think you're in love. You think you're like really in love just because you're super horny. Mm-hmm. It's funny how these movies always like glorified. It's like oh, camp's crazy. You never know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And like at that age, even though I didn't go to camps, but like uh-huh. even at like most events, you'd be like oh, it's gonna be sick. And then you'd get there and you just wouldn't know what to do, and you just go. <gasps> yeah, yeah. you'd just be frustrated as fuck AKA and just rattled college yeah i mean I yeah. aka my whole goddamn life <laughs> yeah i mean Aww. college was definitely like 
fucking 10 years of movies being like, oh man, it's going to be so awesome. It's just like nothing but people getting drunk and fucking. And yeah. then you get there and you're like, oh, this is kind of just like a shitty summer camp where everybody wears pajamas. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. It was worse for us. I loved it we, later. We grew up with, yeah. uh, with Girls Gone Wild infomercials. Yeah. So we thought... We thought that all college was was people showing Just their tits. We thought that's so drunk. Drunk. that was real. It was never real. Yeah, I think I was a little more advanced than that, <laughs> so I didn't have that in my head. But camp was definitely a rough one. I just think kids, parents sent their kids away to like not masturbate in their house. Just yeah. like do it in a bunk. Exactly. Do it in the woods. Yeah. Come in the woods. I'm not cleaning those socks again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've already gone through three big mouth Billy Basses. But then it's <laughs> a special request. Oh, uh, but then you realize that Jesus this camp that it isn't like you think maybe like people will kind of fool around mm-hmm. and then because like they've got so many activities like, like archery and they, they they might have yeah but like how do you have archery but you don't have fucking you know that's yeah that's well, messed up it's, it's not on metaphor. the itinerary but it's you <laughs> it know, should it's be there <laughs> you gotta it get really a release should be. yeah it uh, should go arts and crafts archery <laughs> uh finger banging <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, uh, macaroni paintings. That's dry, like, dry humping. That sounds like what Rajneesh Puram was. Yeah. Yeah, dude. We should have we been there. Yeah. Um, also, they dumped that milkshake on the nerd. And that was like milk. That wasn't a milkshake. That was not a milkshake. It was like thin air. That's not a milkshake. I love how we're both analyzing just the first 10 minutes yeah. to death. But like that was the part where we actually watched it. It's, it's real bad. Like it's like, un- it's like almost unwatchable. The problem is, is that, you know, you, you mistake it for, oh, this is a classic Bill Murray movie because it's Bill Murray in the 70s. But you're forgetting that, like, after SNL and Caddyshack, The Fool was a fucking beast and legend. And they wanted to put him in yeah. whatever stupid fucking movie they could. And, like, that was basically Bill Murray for fucking idiots. That was like, <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that, that's the Blades of Glory of fucking, <laughs> you know, of a Bill Murray. It's not it's not a fucking masterpiece at all. It's a dumb fucking summer camp comedy and no titties. <laughs> Did you scrub through for them? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's also I mean, I also feel like back then people were it was like, "All right, well, let's watch this thing and like sit down and enjoy it." And now if something sucks for 10 minutes, you yeah. can watch something else or you can go on your phone. Yeah, or, like, I feel like that movie gonna... was just like, we're going to go to the movies and get super high. Just hang out with Bill Murray and for hang out with hours. our friends. But people and... watched the Transformers uh, franchise. Come on now. Yeah, that's, well, that's because easier there's a lot to of sit stimulation. There's way too much stimulation. True, but this is way too little. Like, just everything was just not how anything works and people, <laughs> yeah. people were like confusingly bad at everything. Like, when they were playing basketball and they were like, all right, we get that the team's supposed to be bad at basketball. They're just like throwing it over the backboard and like hitting themselves in the face with the ball. And you're like, okay, no one's this bad at basketball. Was like, it that level of like, we have to make everything a joke? Yes. One of those oh, comedies God. where everyone's Absolutely. like, this has to be funny, that has to be funny. And it's like, no, yeah. you need things to be normal for other shit to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They had the entire cast of the fucking Harvard Lampoon probably doing punch ups because mm-hmm. they all right. thought they're fucking hilarious, but they're just on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah, sounds fun to make. What about Camp oh. Nowhere? That's a good camp movie. I don't know that I've ever seen that. Oh. No, you know what is good is that fat camp movie with Ben Stiller in it. What was that Heavyweights? called? Heavyweights? Heavyweights. That's a movie. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen Heavyweights. It was about it's fat like camp? like a grandfather. Yeah. That's a good Do you guys ever movie. go to fat camp? 
No. Oh. No. 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 <laughs> no. Did you? No. no. Matthew? Oh, no, I never fucked with the fat. <laughs> I'm not fat. I didn't say. I said you were. I am not fat. I was, I was chubby a little bit in middle school, but I never went to fat camp. So I know someone who did, and you know what you learn, which I think is a really good thing? What? You have to swallow your food before you take another bite. Wow. Listen, I am afraid of choking. <laughs> and so the faster I can eat, the, the less the chance I will choke. <laughs> because you eat for only three minutes, then mm -hmm. you probably won't choke. But if you eat for 10 minutes, you will die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had a question from the Twitters. Um, uh -huh. Tell Lieb and Francesca that we're going to need their takes on Michael Cohen also being on the Qatari government's payroll. Mm. So, do you guys have takes about that? Uh, good for him, dude. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. You got you to make that Qatari oil money anyway. You yeah. know how, you know? Hey, oh. How um, was he making the money? So, so, so he's he, just laundering a very, lot of money, He was right? laundering a lot of money. And from what I understand, and this is what I understand is reading like a 10-string Twitter feed like news breaking news about it that a qatari businessman because like it's not the government of cutter you know it's yeah. like some dude from cutter that has money mm -hmm. i know they want to pronounce it that way but i'm like just come on let me pronounce it qatar it's just so much easier well, qatar to say is fine but like qatari works but like cuttery doesn't work yeah, yeah. Right. Sounds, you know yeah it's but like, like yeah. cutter the country versus qatar it doesn't matter how about yeah. like, how about qzar like, mm -hmm. right yeah it's like a, a electric Qatar. That's yeah. right. Q. Six string. <laughs> the big Q. Uh -huh. It's um, like one of the businessmen bought 10% of Rosneft, which is a Russian oil company. Mm -hmm. And part of the, the person who orchestrated that deal was Michael Cohen. And perhaps there was like an additional $500,000 in that 10% sale of Rosneft from Russia to this Qatari businessman that actually went to the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. So that is what I understand so Cohen, happened. He like only has like three clients or something like that or four. Was that is that three. him, right? And one of them's uh, Han Hannity. Hannity, and uh -huh. and Trump, and uh, Elliot uh, Broidy, uh -huh. who people actually think is just Trump. Oh, right. Is just actually right. no Avenatti. Sorry, the the lawyer for Stormy <laughs> Daniels. The Stormy Daniels' lawyer basically says that it's not Elliot Broidy. It's the Trump Organization, mm -hmm. which, as we all know, has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Okay, they're separate entities. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, and I don't know what needs to happen. Like, does he have to go on TV and say like I? I am a money launderer. I swear. Like, does he have to swear under oath? Like, there, there's nothing in his, in, in his entire career that doesn't add up to, like, this was a fucking money laundering scheme. People like, don't, every people single don't thing. care. People I, do not care right. that they, the ones who support him will support him no matter what he does. I think he needs to sit down with Mueller and it needs to be taped. Like, I think yeah. we need to grab him by the pussy moment, right? Because mm -hmm. no matter if you say, like... Yeah, that, that helped. That it really totally helped. You know, it really crushed. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we're better for it. it. But it's the only way, like, <laughs> you can go back and actually have evidence, you know? Sure. There's no media take, like, you know, of reading any kind of document. It's like, people don't read, and I'm not going to trust the <laughs> fake so media to like, read a document for me. Proof of a thing that he was... He's also, yeah. I mean, everything right now is essentially 
just like a culture war. And if he says yeah. the shit that people agree with and you prove that he's corrupt, they're like, we don't give a fuck. We like him anyway because yeah. he says this and I agree with that. And Clearly they're no trying else, to take him down. Yeah, there's just not a lot of uh, middle ground, it doesn't seem like. No. Um, but I think it's, it is actually coming down. I mean, it's, it'll be is interesting. It? Oh, it's so slow. It is so slow, and you're not the first person to say that. And we're all just like, oh, God. Like, again? Like, how many more times do we have to do the same thing where it's like, yes, clearly he did this to launder money, like... But what's great about it how is many that times? we're not doing anything. Like, we're just right. kind of like, oh, God, hurry up, Mueller. Like, like what about me? To I'm not going to go out on the street. Well, it's like, they, I mean, what was the thing where his uh, inauguration cost like 10 times as much as the previous one for yes. like half the amount of people? And like, there was no, like, no, like, they did, there was no expenses. It was just like, oh, yeah, it cost all this money that we didn't spend on anything. No, they spent we're the money on laundering money. It's what we do. Yeah, Matt and I were at the inauguration. Wasn't that surreal? Oh, that shit was so crazy. It was the most surreal thing. Um, but they they spent the money on like just laying down really nice um, like wood paneling so uh-huh. you could see all the empty space that there was there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Making sure it was white and everything. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was snow, and then I, I looked <laughs> and I was like, oh no, it's just empty. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Were there sliders? Totally. Like what kind of sliders? You mean like pork, pork sliders? They're pork sliders. They're probably. Can you pork imagine sliders. if they're for that amount of money? There should have been a catering yeah, company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every movie premiere is gonna be sliders. so dope. <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't call it pork sliders. They called it uh, Muslim poison. <laughs> I think. I think what we would do is here's what you would do to really really wrap this shit up. You get a bunch of fake MAGA accounts, put a lot of American flags in the in the um, avatar, right? Mm-hmm. And you bait him into an interview with Mueller on tape. Yeah, you got this, mm. you know, hashtag my president, best president. I don't know what they hashtag. That's definitely not what they hashtag. That you know, sounds close. Try to, sure. Yeah, and try to just bait him into being like, you don't need anyone but you mm-hmm. and me bot fake person mm-hmm. and you you got this Mueller interview and just watch him go down in flames and yes will it mean anything I don't know no. and I didn't mean to make I'm gonna, f- I'm gonna say it will, it will not a but double I would like to believe I didn't mean to make fun of you but it is weird to be like oh our president has been openly colluding with a foreign government to get elected and using every tool in the tool shed to do it and many illegal activities but like well, I'm not going outside for that you know like well but like what would what would what would have like what would we have to do like no one knows what we would actually have to do for well, I mean you, and I, you, I feel like the Russia thing is like that's, that's right like, it's, it's not a fun like, thing to like, protest a, well, it's just like a hook like it feels it, it's a hook I mean that's just part of a greater money laundering operation that is his entire life well sure the scary thing is is not knowing whether or not if he does get you know let's say on the off chance he actually gets convicted of something. He might just go, well, I'm not leaving. Yeah. And everyone would be like, well, you have to. <laughs> and, and I'm actually not sure what would happen at that point. I mean, yeah. is, the, is the army going to take it? I don't even know. The most depressing and then, like, thing. What is our thing to hope for? It's like, oh, do we have President Pence? Because that would, I'm not sure that would be better. Dude, I want to like see President Pence on the campaign trail. He's so awful, though. He can, he's just not inspiring and anyone. Is, terrible he's like a fucking energizer he's like one of the energizer plastic family that they had in the yeah. 90s oh yeah 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 yeah. he is mm-hmm. 
It's bad. I don't want to talk about okay, it. Okay, we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> we can, uh, you know, I got this interview to slide, slide in here. We can um, put it to bed. Oh, already? Hoshu, I, didn't even finish, I didn't even finish taking a shit. Are you, are you pooping? Can you prove I'm not? Are you? <laughs> I'm just uh, opening the jar. Would it, would it change your opinion of him even if you knew that he was pooping, which is very hard to prove? Yeah. Would I have to protest in the streets to stop him from pooping? <laughs> you might. You're gonna have to send the national guard to stop me from taking a shit because I ain't leaving this throne, bitch. I definitely hear the echo of the bathroom. Yeah, it's uh, happening. Uh, it's got a very distinct echo. <laughs> Uh, all right. I'm not, I'm not really pooping. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The real disgusting thing is, will I wash my hands? <laughs> I will. I will. Matt, you want to take us on out of here? Okay. Uh, Francesca, where can we find you? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter. Oh, at Franny Fio. Uh, cool. Yeah, holler. Cool, holler and and let's see, uh, Joey. Where can we find you? Oh, hey, uh, on Instagram at Joey Avery, on Twitter at Joey Avery Comedy, and also we have the uh, the Pier sixty nine podcast. Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, and I put out sketch videos on the Chubby's account. So hell yeah, oh, there you go. Check out his Chubby. That's check right, out, dude. Check Half out chub, Joey Avery's chub. Chubby. Nice. Well, th- thank you so much for listening. Uh, Frogcast at gmail.com. Send us your emails. And uh, Vince, what's the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. Oh, shit. Hold on. I got a couple emails we got to read. Oh, yeah. Oh, do it. Yeah. Let's do it. We got, a, cu- we got a couple. Um, uh, this one is sort of uh, sort of up your alley, Matt. Hey, Frotsman, and maybe Frots ladies. That's right. We got one. Uh, listening to Lieb's tale of his dad slowly getting red-pilled made me think of my own dad. He's a lifelong Republican, and although he didn't vote for Trump, he's been coming around to that way of thinking. He watches too much Fox News, and he started saying stuff about how the Mueller investigation is out to get Trump. We should be grateful to Trump for fixing our, our economy. Me too can go too far, etc. And if you challenge him on any of that, he gets super defensive and mad almost immediately. I love, I love my dad, and I know he's not a bad guy, but it feels like any conversation, even remotely about current events, can turn into a fight. Short of not talking to my dad altogether, any thoughts or advice on how to deal with this? Thanks, y'all. Jesse. Well, uh, my only advice based on my personal experience is uh, you can either never bring up anything and if and, and if he says anything political about anything, you just go, uh-huh, and then you just move on like, oh, well, the cream corn's really good today. Uh, or you can, every time he says something that you don't agree with, you do a, a really friendly, a real friendly pushback where you're like, well, you know, don't believe too much of what you hear, am I right? And he might think you're like halfway talking, like agreeing with him, and then he's gonna be like, "Yeah, it is fake news." Just, <laughs> just you know, that way you 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 slyly get your opinion through, and uh, and you you don't make any waves. But the it, the best thing to do is just make wait, waves. Is just wait it out because they will die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm th- just kidding. I think you. I think you buy him way more channels, get him HBO, get him everything else, and then get him the package that doesn't include Fox News. Is there one, though? As I feel yeah, like I have that. it. Oh. Yeah. I have, but you, it involves a lot of Spanish-language soccer channels. Okay. So okay. he'll love See? that. He'll get is really there, into fo- football. Is there a, a 
child adult children version of the parental block <laughs> that's exactly what we need yeah that's what we need to get fox news out or also like approach him like a bad date you know which a bad date you just always ask questions and you just and listen and listen if you keep on just like you know uh politely asking questions like why do you feel that, that way you know mm. or what did it, what is it that you like about trump uh-huh mm-hmm. and what do you mean by exactly mm. Yeah, what do you mean by a, globalist? He's mm-hmm. your father. He's not going to not love you. Just annoy the shit out of him for the for the best for the better of all of us. Yeah, you can also like if there are things that he brings up and you can see where he's coming from. If you can acknowledge some of his point and being like, I see, I see where you're coming from, but then also very politely share the other perspective in a way that he might actually stick with him after the conversation, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't acknowledge it. That can be helpful. And if it does escalate, always just be like calmer than you are bro (laughs) that always works dude wait one thing is podcast man turning your parents on a podcast once you teach them how to use it sounds like a lot of work but yeah yeah but it works tell them to listen to the front cast because that'll (laughs) really change hearts and minds (laughs) yeah yeah um hey people of the front cast i was recently dating a girl that i really hit it off with however there was one thing that i just couldn't overlook Anti-Semitism. <laughs> Even worse, Matt. I'm not sure how the conversation got there, but she had said that she would never want to own a dog. I am not currently a dog owner, but I really want one. It's just that my current apartment doesn't allow it. There were a couple other things we didn't see eye to eye on. The dog thing, though, was the real motivation for me to not want to pursue anything further. <laughs> my question to you all is, was this a petty reason to not see, see someone that I had a connection with? Also, what were some of the pettiest reasons you ever broke up with someone over? I'm in my late 20s, if that matters. Keep up the good work, Kevin. Okay. Uh, Anti-Semitism is the most petty reason I broke up with someone. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you really like the person uh, and you broke up with them because of the dog thing, I imagine there's more going on (laughs) than just that. Um, But at the same time, you know, some people love dogs like uh like a lot so so it could be i mean did she say she'd never get a dog ever because that's like you know a lot of women say that and then you know they turn to be about 36 and they're like oh i just really want a dog baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) well or a child i mean i had a similar situation where i was dating a girl who said she wasn't a dog person and it was like a fucking record scratch and i was like And I didn't (laughs) break up with her then and there, but I will say that I don't think I could ever get that out of my mind, and it may have contributed. How did she say it? She was just like, I don't really, she's, I'm just like not a dog person. And I was just like, what? (laughs) I was like, what? What? And then it's you just, just again with the questions, it's just confusing bad questions. to me. Like, why do you what, say that? Yeah, why would you? Maybe she's never had a dog. Why would you say that? No, she hadn't. Which I get, but like, you know, I haven't well, had I haven't had an otter before. But it seems fucking awesome, dude. Otters are t- super cool. Yeah, yeah, own. except for they're they're rapists. They are rapists, <laughs> but that's the coolest yeah, well, part about them. Pretty cute. Yeah. I uh, I mean, there's there's <laughs> two sides of it. On the one, if it's like. That is something that you kind of will always judge someone for. If you're like, how the fuck do you not like dogs? Yeah. Like you, that kind of grows and you start to think it's that type and of person. And if you don't, just keep it to yourself. Right. Nobody wants to hear that shit. But I also feel like if you actually like the person, it's worth going down the path a little while longer. Because you'll figure out if that actually grows to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Or if you guys are, you know, 
have a good connection and you could actually change her mind. Like my dad apparently didn't want to have kids and mm -hmm. here I am. And now it still hits me, but no, I'm kidding. It's great. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the thing though, this is the thing with dating. I always think people are really, really petty. All right. I granted it didn't work out, but I married someone who watched every single resident evil <laughs> and on like the third month of knowing him, I was like, Hey, what's up? Where are you? He's like, I'm, in Resident Evil 7 or whatever the fuck, by himself, by himself in a theater. And I was like, no, it's never like, uh-uh. Yeah. But nine years and it was good. So it's like, that's, you know, even someone who watches every Resident Evil mm. uncritically and definitely doesn't think too hard about not about loving it. Yeah, there's things you can overlook and things you can't and uh, you kind of have to decide for yourself uh, what they are. Yeah, Resident Evil sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I dated a reality a chick who loved reality TV and like Oof. People Magazine and like all this shit. And I was in high school, so I didn't like know any better. But I just yeah, realized that's, like that's hot in high school. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> they read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's into culture, right? But I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. And I would like get into the shows too because I'm a phenomenal boyfriend. But mm. uh, I, I, whenever we would like get mad or I'd like leave like angry, I'd be like. She's an idiot. I would just feel that way. And that's, you can't be too different from someone. This is a high right. school, the relationship? Yeah. It was very intense. Okay. <laughs> uh, I feel right. like, I don't believe anyone when they say I'm not a dog person. I, I just don't believe, like. I'm not I, a dog if, person. If, if I, okay, sweetie, but if I put a puppy, <laughs> if I put a puppy in front of your face and it licked your face, you wouldn't immediately be in sure, love. But some people have had really bad, like their first experiences with dogs are just like hump, hump, hump leg or sniff, sniff crotch. And that's it. And like, well, that's why you got to introduce them to a different dog. Yeah. No, you just have to have your own dog. Exactly. And then like you love, exactly. It's like a baby. It's the same thing. Yeah. We're in. I don't. Exactly I don't. Good luck. I, Call I, I her back. That, I hear that bad experience argument, and I'm like, I got bit by a pit bull when I was five. I still love them. Don't care. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But like, I feel like humping is more traumatic. Hmm. Just like yeah. like a little poodle under the, under the table, just making eye contact with you as their their chin is on your knee. Just. Uh. <sighs> I feel like it's cute when a dog humps you, isn't it? No. You got to get to that. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's only cute when you got to work. It's I don't even like like come. I would even yeah. when I had my my family dog and I and I loved him, but like he'd be sitting there hanging out and he'd be like and then all of a sudden you'd see that red thing come out and you'd be like, "It's not like that." Yeah. yeah. Spencer. Yeah. Can't have, can't red rocket. No. Just one time. It's like, no, it's just weird. All right, I got to get out of here. Let's let's do it. Mm -hmm. Let's put it to bed. Bye. Night. Good night. Well, good night.